Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily presented by the Dallas Morning News where every day of the week we're breaking down a question, event, news, or trend. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me today as we prepare to, well as they prepare to play game two, but really we prepare for the emotional experience of what is about to happen is Isaac Harris. What's up, Isaac? What's up, Bobby? I was actually hoping that you, I was wanting to know if Steve Javi was preparing for game two i know it's a, Brother, it's he a is hard ready. test okay that that's all i wanted to know i you know you mike the crew at maps.com whatever i just want to know about, uh, steve javi right now if he if he is ready for game two i'm sure he and kane fitzgerald man they're they're ready to go they've been reviewing the film everybody mm-hmm. is you know fix it you got you got to strengthen your weaknesses and then you got to just Strengthen your strengths, and don't worry, Steve Javi is on top of it. He's in playoff mode. Um, for those of you who are maybe unfamiliar, uh, we're coming off a little bit of controversy in Game 1, Isaac. We talked about it. I talked about it with Dwayne yesterday on Mavs Daily. We went very far down the air punch and escalating the situation rabbit hole with Chris Stapps Porzingis, but no amount of... Uh, mocking tweets or complaining, just straight-up complaining on my part, is going to change the fact that KP was ejected from that game. So today's whole episode was going to be basically just like, okay, win or lose, what will the Mavs look to improve on in Game 2? What will they look to maybe, like, you know, uh, I guess re-emphasize, maybe things that they did very well? But you made the very prescient point before we got started that, I mean... It's really kind of tough to de- to decide what they need to fix or improve because KP didn't play. Yeah, and that's it's kind of weird. You know, we were texting. It's like, all right, how? What's the adjustment? You know, basically when teams lose you know, their <laughs> game one of a series, what can they change going into that game two? And with KP missing for the most part all of the second half, and the game being you know fairly even up until that point. It's like, all right, well, even looking at the final like numbers, even shooting percentages, this, you know, the best offense in the league this year, one of the best of all time, even looking at like their field goal percentage of this game, their three point percentage in this game. I mean, they shot 35% from three as a team. You want to see that higher, but still, I mean, they shot 36% as a team for the whole season. So, you know, no Mavs fan, Mavs Twitter wasn't coming for Rick's head after this game. Nothing, you know, there wasn't free throws. Oh my gosh, the Mavericks practicing some free throws. You know, they only missed, what was it, three, I think three total free throws in this game. Yeah, they shot 87% from free throw line. So it's not like you're looking at a certain thing coming out of this game saying that's the clear spot. You can look at turnovers, you can, but even like turnovers, and I love Rick Carlisle after the game, he went to bat for Luca on this, of saying a lot of people were pointing out the 11 turnovers, and he was going down the line kind of like, I don't even want to say excuses, but given the reasons of, hey, he has the ball in his hands so much. We put so much, he even said that, he's like, we put so much on his plate, Luca's plate, that, you know, yeah, we can kind of take some of those turnovers off a little. So, even that, I mean, if you want to focus on that, but the fact that KP missed the entire second half for the most part, and this team was still there at the very end with this Clippers team, I think, man, that's one of the most encouraging things as a fan right now. From local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered. And it's more than just the scores. 
From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, we certainly hope so around here, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite team, players, and coaches. You follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. Head to dallasnews.com sports now or preferably after the podcast, but either way, definitely check out what uh, Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the Demon gang has for you there. Yeah, so Dallas was up five whenever Porzingis got ejected. It was 71-66. to 66. And, you know, they'd only – those teams had combined to score two points in the second half until then. So, really, it was kind of – you know, Porzingis missed virtually the entire meaningful portion of the second half. So, whatever Dallas did in the first half worked. I mean, they, yeah. they scored near 70 points in the first half on the Clippers, who have, I think, the third or fourth uh, most efficient defense in the league, maybe fifth, but they're definitely top five somewhere in there. And the Clippers made it really, really tough on Luka all season long. I'm sure that, you know, if, if you listen to Locked on Mavs, I'm sure you've heard Isaac talk about that. We talked about it on Mavs Daily. The Clippers were like bred in a lab to slow down Luka. And so we expected it to be difficult on Luka. Now Luka exceeded our expectations once again. So maybe we should just stop putting a ceiling on the guy. But still, 11 turnovers is a lot. And you would have liked to have as much help out there. Uh, for him and with him as possible down the stretch but still you know they were in the game they were in the game and so as if you're looking at adjustments kind of like you alluded to it's tough to say okay well yeah this should change or this should stay the same because we're only drawing on 24 minutes of basketball that will even be applicable to game two now that said in the first five or so minutes um is when like half of Lucas turnovers came and most of them were just like pure sloppiness kind of like Mm -hmm. Luca tripped and fell down one time. Another time, I think he like dribbled it off his foot. Uh, another time, he threw a pass that got picked up. Like he just wasn't even there. Another time, he drove the lane and got stripped. So I mean, a lot of them were just like sloppy, just kind of like, eh, you know, like mulligans. There were some times whenever I feel like he maybe made some bad decisions. Like late in the game, he tried that full length pass to Maxi that Kawhi Leonard picked off. But those are very correctable. But um, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not looking too far into the 11 turnovers and I'm not going to make excuses for the guy, but I think we all kind of need to, um, sort of accept the fact that given the amount of time he spends with the ball in his hands, it's very likely that he's going to like probably lead the league in turnovers or at least be top three in the turnovers every year for the foreseeable future. I mean, it's like him, James Harden. I'm sure Trey was probably up there as well this year too. Those are three guys that have the ball in their hands a lot. And so they're just gonna, if you're making as many passes as they are, taking as many dribbles as they are, coming off as many screens as they are, you're going to give it away four or five times no matter what. But it's just about limiting the avoidable ones. And after the first like five or so minutes, he did that. And that's obviously why they were able to come back in the game so quickly. Yeah, I mean, you just have to accept that that's what's going to come with Luca when you put the ball in his hands that much. And some of these, even the chances that he takes on some of these passes that, you know, do get picked off sometimes and it results in a turnover. Well, heck, how many times do those passes happen? And we're all tweeting out the videos and it's crazy. And people like James Harden fans are freaking out because Luca did a pass that apparently Luke and James Harden's the only player that's ever made that pass in the history of basketball. So it's like stuff like that to where he almost has to make those risks. Kind of, I don't want to say Pat Mahomes because I don't even want to act like I know where Pat Mahomes ended up with like interceptions on the season, but it's that, that type of stuff. Not very many. Gotta... <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind. Bad comparison. But you just have to take those chances sometimes, and 
sometimes it works out for Luca. But to Luca's, I love Luca's uh, answer after the game because we were talking about accepting it. Like us two and fans just have to accept it. Luca's not accepting it. Luca was asked in that post game, you know, after the game, of saying, "Hey, what do you think about your performance?" We all know about the record he broke, forty-two points, most for a debut in, in playoff history, and you know, his, his one word, terrible. I think he said that's the most turnovers he's ever had in a game. That's what he's focusing on. I'm like, dang, dude, this dude's like 21. I would be sitting there like, heck yeah, that's cool. You know? And even if he does feel that and on the inside, he's not verbalizing. So it's cool seeing your leader at 21 saying that. Yeah, just a level of like grace, humility, acceptance, but not tolerating the mistakes. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's all you can ask for. We're, we're uh, once again, we're pretty lucky that kind of the 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 go-to player on this team is at least a little self-deprecating uh you know I'm sure Luca was feeling pretty good because 42 points a lot and there were some there was there was a little bit of uh kind of you know some upset body language maybe at the end of that game before that last Marcus Morris three I'm sure everybody is Zapruder filmed that play uh you know front and back but uh, that's bound to happen. You know, there's going to be a lot of frustration, win or lose, throughout a playoff game. The Mavs very well could have won that game, but they were certainly frustrated in the beginning, and they were frustrated in the third quarter, and they were frustrated down the stretch. Playing the Clippers will do that to you. And so I guess one adjustment is don't turn it over as much. Uh, the second one, which is much tougher to actually do because it's tough to control your emotions, is to kind of control your emotions. That was one thing that uh, Rick Carlisle said going into the series and then also – Last night after the game, too, is like, look, you know, the air punch thing is an automatic tech for some reason. And so if you do it, you're going to get a tech. And then after that, you know, you just got to try and keep everything under control and not get too rattled when things get physical. And now you, you also don't want the opposition to take liberties against your best player. And so there is kind of this weird sort of like gray area that that we found a few minutes into the third quarter between uh, Morris and Luca and KP. But. You have to try and control that. And then also if you're making mistakes, if you're missing open shots, if things get a little tight uh, for stretches, don't force stuff. Don't let offense affect defense. You know, if your teammate does something you don't like, don't let it affect you. If the refs miss a call, don't let it affect you. Don't let it affect your team and all that stuff. And and the Clippers are going to be very, very uh, good about putting the Mavs in those situations throughout this series because – Kawhi Leonard is such a physical player, and Marcus Morris is such a physical player. Zubots is physical. Montrezl Harrell is physical. Paul George is not the most physical, like, bruising player, but he's going to come at you and attack you on both ends of the floor, and so you're going to get hit, scratched, clawed, all that stuff, and you just have to be willing to kind of roll with the punches, literally and metaphorically speaking, uh, because you're going be, to be facing a lot of them in this series from start to finish. And I feel like that's a sign of a young team, which is what this Mavericks team is, that, you know, they're a lot of these guys, especially with your two best players on the team, your star duo, it's your first playoff experience. It's like even the the, the start of that game, I kind of like went into the game expecting, you know, I compared it uh, yesterday to the uh, Mike, Tyson, uh, Mike Tyson punch. I, like I, like, I, I kind of expected them to kind of get punched a little bit because – we see the jitters. We see it's. I mean, everything about your first playoff series. I didn't know if it was going to be eighteen to two, but like when it started off ten zero, I'm like, okay, you know, kind of. I kind of see it. I expect it. So even like the emotions part of it. This is something Carlisle's been preaching. I feel like. I mean, I feel like all season that hey, like telling the team, telling Luca specifically, we have to watch the emotions. We have to watch it with the referees, and. 
when you have a veteran team like the Clippers, the Clippers know this. Like the, this is and and this is kind of the Clippers. KP alluded to this in his post game uh, press conference too, is saying. Yeah, well, this is what they do. He's saying not really their star players, but you know the role players. They kind of this is their role, and I don't even think he was meaning it in like a negative way because that's just like like that's what they do to other opponents. We we seen was it Beverly and some whoever else it was uh, with Lillard and those missed free throws and back and forth and John stuff. So that's what Beverly and these guys want to do, and you know, the Mavericks know heading into the series that they're going to try to get underneath the skin. I mean, Luca KP under the age of 25 and their first playoff experience. I mean, this is like, if you're the Clippers and you're those guys, this is like fresh prey. Uh, like, you know, like this is the, these are the targets right here. You know, they love it and they want to get underneath their skin. And, but honestly, my opinion of the Morris thing, I honestly don't even think Marcus, I think KP took it as he was doing it to get a, a reaction for Porzingis. I don't even know if Morris was even trying to do that to get a reaction. Okay. KB. KB just took up for Luca and, I, I loved every bit of the sequence. I didn't love, you know, what the refs decided to do with it. But, yeah, I, I think it's a – I don't want to, like, write off everything because I think there are some improvement things. I mean, third-quarter offense for the Mavericks, I mean, they only scored 13 points in the third quarter. That's the same quarter they lost KP, and the Clippers only scored 21 in that, in that quarter. So it's, it almost threw things off for both teams in, in a sense. It looked kind of weird after that. but And then three-point shooting. I mean, they only hit – they hit 15 for the game, but they only hit three threes, the Mavericks did, in the second half. And you have to, especially against a team as good as the Clippers, you have to hit more threes than probably three in the second half. Yeah, they started 12 for 21, and they finished 15 to 43. So you do a little bit of arithmetic. They shot three for 22 on threes in the second half, which is not very good. But that kind of stemmed from what I think is going to have to be – like adjustment number three if we want to keep going with this sort of listicle or list cast um and again this kind of you know hinges obviously on Porzingis playing but whenever he was out there the Luka KP not even two-man game but just high pick and roll was really working wonders for the Mavs because Porzingis is pulling his man so far from the basket but once he left the game it was more of like Finney Smith setting screens for Luka or Boban setting screens for Luka where you're playing a little more like contained, less sort of like geometrically mind-blowing brand of basketball. And so everything is a little tougher. And a lot of Luka's turnovers in the first quarter and throughout the game came whenever he was in an isolation situation or trying to beat a guy off a dribble coming off a screen or something where you know their defenders are very good in LA and so they're going to make you work for it so he's having to take maybe an extra beat an extra couple dribbles go between the legs one extra time or behind the back or pull off a spin move or crossover and every single dribble that you take every move you make is giving them another chance to knock him off balance poke the ball away scratch him uh, jump a passing lane you know so you got to keep things moving you got to keep things going and, and and what Luke is so good at with KP is coming off a screen from KP kicking it out to KP all right if nothing's there I'll give it back to Luca or I'll swing it over here to Curry and then you can run a little two-man game over there but whenever that fulcrum of the offense was missing it was a lot of Luca versus the world kind of stuff and uh, it just slowed down and now he scored 42 points and was amazing and they were down one with whatever two minutes left and so clearly it worked but uh, it just everything came a little more difficult for them and 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 the easy stuff became a little less easy and the hard stuff became a little harder and uh, all of a sudden you're having to go deeper into the shot clock which means your threes are a little more rushed and then 
you know, blah, blah, blah. It, 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 it all sort of spirals from there. And so uh, I think, you know, KP not getting ejected is a big adjustment to make. But uh, most importantly, it's just just keep it moving. Keep the ball moving. The Clippers are very, very good. Uh, but how Luke and KP were able to rack up three fouls apiece on Beverly and Kawhi and Paul George in the first half was by moving the ball side to side and then attacking them when they're off balance. Right. Like if you can skip pass and drive the lane, then someone's going to have to come down and help and you'll be able to go up strong and get a foul call. And so uh, you just got to keep keep the ball moving, try not to stagnate. And uh, the, the easier shots will come. I mean, I don't think I don't, it's no surprise that a lot of sets made threes came in the first half when KP was on the floor because everybody's overreacting to what Luka and KP are doing. And so you have Seth and Hardaway wide open. So, uh, you know, you just got to keep the ball moving. If you're a shooter, keep moving and get ready to get open because Luka will find you, uh, especially if he has a little more space to work with coming off a Porzingis screen. Yeah, and it's you alluded to this earlier as far as the Clippers' like game plan for Luka. And they play him a specific way because when you look at stars across the league, as far as like top 10 guys in the league or uh, ball dominant guys, like let's say Harden, because everybody likes to do the Harden Luka thing. Harden, Luka, you name it for the star player who's going to have the ball in their hands a lot. Kevin Durant, whatever. A lot of teams have to choose what route they're going to take if they don't have, depending on the makeup of their team. Some teams choose, hey, we're going to try to like double and take out the star player and we're going to bet on the role players beating us. Or sometimes teams say, we're going to give the points to the star player and we're not going to let the role players beat us. And for the Clippers, Doc was even open about this in his uh, media session today. Actually, well, you're listening to this yesterday on Tuesday after game one saying, Hey, he thinks that he's like, we overhelped too much. Like he's been very open. Like, Hey, even that there was a question po- uh, poised to like uh, Luca or, um, or Carla last night or after the post game saying, Hey, doc said after the game, we'll give Luca his points. They just want to take away the passing lanes. And there was a moment in the second half, uh, in game one that Luca drove the lane and Paul George helped from like the other side. He shouldn't have helped. And Luca literally find you anywhere. If you're open, he hits Seth for this like wing three doc immediately storms out on the court and calls timeout. And he was pissed about it because he's like, he doesn't want him to help. He wants to give those points to Luca. And, you know, and I'm not trying to take away from anyway, anything away from Luca scoring 42, but they want to limit the Seth Curry, Tim Hardaway, Dorian, like KP. They want to limit the role player three pointers on that. So they kind of force the funnel it and allowing Luca to to get into the paint. So even looking at like his assistant, therefore, that's where they try to pay, play the passing lanes. I felt like the earlier in the season when I mean Kawhi, I felt like he picked him off numerous times. I looked up his uh, his turnovers. The very first time they played the Clippers early in the season, they lost by 15. He had seven turnovers in that game. In the other games, he had four turnovers, not too bad, but looking at his assist against the Clippers, in the four times that he's played the Clippers this year, including game one, he hasn't recorded over, over 10 assists in against them. He's, you can laugh at this. Whoa. <laughs> you can laugh at this, but the first game they played the Clippers, he had six, and then the next game he had nine, and then the next game he had six, and then nine. So six, nice. nine, six, nine. Yeah. Is pretty but, nice. I mean, six six for Luca. I mean, it's crazy, but six for Luca is like an off night, you know. I know, and, and that's, that's not why very I like throw it out because there. he's gonna get he's gonna get you know on on most nights almost half your assists as a team uh, because the ball's in his hand so much. And so if if you're holding him to six, then that means the ball is not moving at all, which is bad because this whole offense is based on ball movement. 
Yeah, and that's why I throw it out there. I'm like, hey, like six is a bad number for him because, I mean, looking at just the month of November of this season, he had 10 games in the month of November that he had over 10 assists in. I mean, you go down the line and look how many games he had 10, 14, 15 assists, 11 assists, 17 assists assist in the Sacramento game. It's like, so for him, like, they dare him to try to make these crazy passes. And a lot of times he pulls them off, but. This is what results in sometimes the turnovers, and it's just they play him, and they have the personnel to play. I thought I thought Marcus Morris played an incredible game in Game One, and I think he's like a very underrated um, addition to to their team. And I mean, wing defenders to throw at you're talking about them having the guys to throw at Luca. They have the guys that throw at any star player in the league, from Pat Beverly up to Kawhi, and to be able to give Kawhi and Paul George who are arguably the two best wing defenders in the game to give them like the game off most nights until the fourth quarter. And we saw Kawhi, you know, pick up Luca there at the end, which Luca still got to the rim at ease against Kawhi, which is pretty crazy. Uh, it's still like, it's just crazy how the make of that team. And that's one of the, they're one of the favorites to win the title. Yeah. And so it's a tough adjustment to make because if the Clippers whole strategy is to let Luca get his, then it's kind of tough for the Mavs to be like, no, we want to get everybody else involved. I mean, there are ways to do it. You just, you know, you run your little stuff to get Curry a shot or, you know, but they, they like running flow. They like giving it to Luka and having Porzingis set a screen and then Luka make a read. But if there are no reads to make, then things can stagnate. And so, you know, they, they have to they have to tweak a little something or something. But at the same time, it's kind of like human nature if – you see one of their guys coming off a screen and has a driving lane, then like inside your DNA, your your body's like calling out to you like, help, help, you know? And so you slide over. It's just in human nature. And also you don't want to give up a layup because if you yeah. give up a layup, your coach is going to call a timeout and storm the floor and be mad and yell at you on national TV. And so you want to prevent that from happening. But then, of course, you're guarding the second best shooter in three in NBA history. And so it's tough. I mean, it's but but that's what the whole the whole Mavs offense is built around you know, person movement and ball movement, creating catch 22s all over, you know, damned if you do damned if you don't. And unfortunately without KP, it was tough to create those pick your poison situations at will the way that they normally can. So, uh, you know, it's a little bit, uh, little, not even back to the drawing board because again, it worked. They were, they were yeah. winning. They had 71 points in like, you know, 28 minutes. And after they spotted the Clippers, a 16 point lead right out of the gates before anyone was even sweating. So, um, I mean, if you're Dallas, I guess you don't really have to change too much. But then again, you are down in the series, and it's only a best of seven. And so you now have to win four of the next six. And you know that Doc Rivers, championship coach, Kawhi Leonard, championship player, a lot of these guys are veterans. You know that even though the Clippers are up 1-0, they're going to keep working to fine-tune and tweak things to make things even more difficult. And so uh, that's where the whole – I don't know. The, the playoffs just seem very tough because I feel like the Clippers – probably feel like they need to change more stuff than the Mavs do but the Clippers are the ones that are ahead in the series I know that's what it was it's funny seeing different fan bases uh, I've seen some reporters and stuff who follow or you know who write about the Clippers full-time and they're tweeting out and their stories are man the Clippers are encouraged coming out of this game because they they feel like they played a bad game and they still won and it's like you know, Mavericks side are like, dang, we lost KP and we almost won. So how you can find these avenues of everybody feels can... good. I love it. Every, everyone's feeling great right now. Very wholesome times. 
Yeah, but I mean, I honestly think it, like I came out of that loss. That's one of the most encouraging losses uh, that I've came out of. I'm like, dang, like let's go. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hyped for that, especially, especially at the end of that first quarter. There was nothing. I tweeted this out during the game. I said, if there's one quarter to to define this Mavericks team, it's that first quarter of the lowest of lows when it comes to defense to bam when everything's hitting on all cylinders. They came all the way back. A young team like that to take a punch like that and to not only get up and still like stay in the game, but take the lead and go like go up by double digits. I thought that was like you can, yeah. I thought that was one of the most important things of of everything. And I just want to say this real quick on the strategy the Clippers do. I get it because of funneling, letting Luca do his thing, and almost like taking the role players out because I think they almost put their money on Kawhi at the end of the game. It's like, Hey, if we can almost like put Morris, even though I thought Morris did as good a job as you can on Luca, put somebody else on Luca, let Luca get his points. And it keeps the ball out of the role players like Tim and Seth, whatever. And then at the end of the game, we'll put Kawhi on him and they'll, they're, they'll bank on Kawhi stopping him and daring Luca to throw it to a guy like Tim, Seth or whoever, but they're not in their groove because they haven't been shooting the whole game. So you're like, you're almost daring these guys are saying, we'll put our money on this guy who we've kind of taken out for the whole game, but then we'll put the game on the line for Tim Hardaway, whoever it is. And I'm not saying that's what happened at the end of the game, but even towards the end of that game, there's two back-to-back possessions there that you know that they reviewed in film and everything to where Tim Hardaway came down, forced it a little bit. There was a turnover on his part. Seth came down, forced a three. And Luca had been scoring at will for for the most part there, and so you know it's, it's stuff like that. First playoff game for a lot of those guys together, and they're gonna they're gonna work it out. I'm I'm more encouraged now than going into the series. I'm I'm excited for this Mavs team so much. I do kind of have a a, a little bit of looming sense of dread deep down within me though, because I kind of agree with Clippers people. That was not the Clippers' best game on offense or defense. Things at times were still a little too easy for Luka, and you know that's what amazing players do. But I would not be surprised if at some point they flip the switch and they say, you know what, we're not going to let Luka beat us anymore. Let's send an extra guy his way, and let's make other guys beat us. And the Mavs have to be ready for that. And now they have been throughout the year. If Luka gets double teamed, he's usually just incredible at picking out the right guy. Um, and, and, you know, they can just play four on three from there. But the Clippers are capable of throwing all sorts of different crap at you, and you just have to be ready for everything. And so there is kind of this sense of, like, maybe the Clippers like, okay, we can't just coast through this thing. We got we to gotta dial it up a little bit. And so the Mavs have to be ready for that. And I think they will be. I mean, you can't do this because it's not how life works. But after 18-2, to two, man, they were pretty – the Mavs were dominant for the next – 25 minutes of gameplay or however long it was before KP got ejected and so uh maybe that little you know uh, early early knockout blow was all they needed to wake them up or something but I mean they were defending their tails off and they were pushing the ball the other way they were attacking the basket they were drawing fouls getting to the free throw line they were doing everything that they did well all season long and playing great defense on top of it and so if they can find that place again right from the start of a game then all of a sudden you're saying like oh, you're you're bowing up to them like metaphorically and not uh, the kind that's going to get you tossed out of a game. You're saying okay, we're here to we're here to play. What do you got? You know, um, so we'll see. I think the playoffs are all about responses, right? It's all about yeah. asking questions and giving answers. And 
The Mavs asked plenty of questions in game one, unfortunately came up just a little bit short. So what are they going to change? What are the Clippers going to change? Uh, and, and how can the Mavs respond? Because unfortunately, you don't get a, a home crowd to go home to in game three. So if you lose game two, you're down 2-0 and you got to do the same thing. You know, the next the next day, the day after that, in the same gym. I mean, I mean at you least you're coming you back have to the Dallas. Luxury of getting your, what's up? At least you're coming back to Dallas for game three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, you you can't get uh, you can't get the lift from your home crowd. And so if if you go down two zero, then all of a sudden you got to beat the other team four out of five, and you have to do it without fans, without like the energy. I mean, you got to everything's hey, got to come from within, you know. So Chris Chris Arnold um, is so, there virtually, and that's true. We got him and the maniacs. Don't forget the maniacs are on true. the screen too. And so we are some we are pumping some life into that place. But um, but yeah, I mean it's kind of. You know, everybody's going to say this about every game the rest of the way, but tomorrow, and it, because it's true, every game of a playoff series is the most important. So tomorrow is the most important game of the season for the Mavs, or I guess today is technically. Uh, tomorrow at present, today, once you hear this <laughs> podcast, it is the most important game of the season because if you lose it, winning four to five is very, very difficult against the worst team in the league let alone against the best team isaac or i guess the second best but worse only than the maps mm, that's true that's you said the adjustments are like how you respond and i think that's i think that's my favorite part of the playoffs because we obviously don't get the atmosphere and all of that stuff that i just love about playoff basketball but i love seeing the just adjustments from one game to the other because you can go to the regular season and you'll play a team, but then the next time you play a team might be a month later and it could be on a back-to-back and it's just all this weird players could be setting out. In a playoff series, it's bam, 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 like you're playing each other. And so I love seeing the chess pieces of coaches and matchups and even seeing Rick heading into game one starting Maxi over Seth and the you know seeing how the reasoning behind that and even when they got out there I'm like oh, okay like they, I saw him you know Maxi was guarding Kawhi you know some and it's like oh, they're going for the length they're going for the bigger guy they've put Maxi out there before against Giannis and Jason Tatum some of these guys before so they went with that it's like just stuff like that, that I like just seeing how the coaches respond and what do what do the Clippers do tonight in, in game two differently what 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 does Rick do differently in game two that's the type of stuff that I just love seeing and. Honestly, I think this is two of the best coaches in the entire league, too, uh, in this series. So uh, it should be another fun, fun game on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, what I, Last thing before we get out of here, give me a 10-second, the Mavs will win this game if sentence or two. The Mavs will win this game if – I don't want to take the cop out and say something about the refs. Um, if <laughs> I'll say the Mavs will win this game if two players outside of KP and Luca score over 18 points. Okay, what if one of them scores like 50, but the other one only scores 17? Doesn't count. I need two <sighs> two role players will score over 18, and that's in addition to KP and Luca, and they'll they'll score as a team over 120 and take game two. Jeez, man, you got to score 120 to win. It, it's true. It's the new NBA. It's the NBA. I mean, 120 is where is what you got to set your goals for. It's well, crazy. They, I mean, it's crazy because they scored 110 in this game. They averaged 117 a game, I, I think, 
And Rick said after game, he's like, one of the things that they had to get better at besides turnover stuff, he's like, we got to put the ball in the hole more. I'm like, it's crazy. Like, you put up <laughs> 110, and he's kind of, like, disappointed with the points there. So, uh, I th- honestly, I think that especially when and it's not – I mean, it's just truthful. They're not the best defensive team in the league. So, y- you have to – if you're not going to be, like, amazing at defense, you, you have to be able to put up a ton of points. And this is where Dallas has to step up now. And so, over 120 for the Mavericks Wednesday night. Yeah, they gotta. They will win the game if they remain aggressive. Put the ball on the floor, get to the basket. Their numbers last night, their numbers in game one, whenever they got into the paint, were amazing. Their numbers, whenever they didn't, were the opposite of amazing. So, got to stay aggressive without turning the ball over. Uh, easier said than done, of course. But if you do it, then you could win, and all of a sudden we got a series on our hand. Um, Isaac, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Good luck to you tonight. Uh, Good luck to all of you out there who are listening to this episode. Uh, If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And game two between Mavs and Clippers will be underway here tonight at 8 p.m. Central. And then we will be back with you again tomorrow to break it all down on the next Mavs Daily. We'll see you then.